0: What's good for your heart, nutritious, delicious, and blue all over? We call it a Boost of Blue. Blueberries are heart-healthy and packed with flavor and nutrients like fiber and vitamin C that can give you a lift all day long. So call it whatever you like. Just remember to grab a Boost of Blue. It's finally here. The Macy's Friends and Family Sale with an extra 30% off gifts they'll love. You're listening to The Underground.
1: We are here on the scene of the deadliest terror attack in this city since 9-11. We are in the shadow of one world trade. That, of course, was built on the site of Ground Zero. The weapon, of course, a truck rented from Home Depot. Authorities say the suspect deliberately veering onto a path for bicyclists and pedestrians, speeding down the path, striking people for almost a mile. It lasted four minutes, the truck not stopping, until it smashed into a school bus. Along that path, eight people killed. The suspect running from the truck, a hero officer shooting him. Tonight, we now know the suspect, an immigrant from Uzbekistan who lived in several American cities. Authorities say he carefully planned this attack for Halloween. Since the attacks of September 11, 2001, I and, and good friends of the podcast, people like Dr. Waleed Faris, Robert Spencer, Dr. Paul Williams, Brigitte Gabriel, James Woolsey, and others have been warning in no uncertain terms that Beirut-style terror bombings in the streets and acts of terrorism in the streets were going to become commonplace in the United States. With the attack in Manhattan that killed eight and injured more, we are seeing the first stages of that coming to the shores of the United States. People who have studied this issue understand it's coming. And right now, all of the people who understand this issue understand that it's here. It's incredibly hard to stop single and small cell terror attacks. Law enforcement and intelligence can be right 99.999% of the time. It's that .0001% of the time that makes the news. They have an incredibly hard job. That said, these so-called lone wolf attacks are less about individuals being remotely radicalized and all about the ideology that births these kinds of people. The ideology of Islamofascism, and that's what it is. It's the fascists of Islam that are perpetrating terror attacks. The Islamofascists of the world use their religion as catalysts for violence an accurate reading of the Quran and the Hadith, and that's you must do that. You need to read the Quran and the Hadith in tandem. The Quran is laid out by verse, shortest to longest, the Hadith is the story. So you need to be able to go back and forth between the two books to put things together. When one consumes these texts as they're supposed to be consumed it becomes quite clear that there is a turning point in Muhammad's life where he transforms from peaceful prophet to a soldier of conquest. Islam transforms from a a marriage of Judaism and Catholicism to become a religion of conquest. It is not a religion of peace. This is why many people, including people like Zudi Jasser, who is also a friend of the podcast, are begging the Muslim community to effect a reformation in their religion, not unlike what the Christians went through, to expunge the violence from their religion, expunge the violence from their dogma in order to advance the peaceful tenets of that religion and expunge the violent and the aggressive. The hardest core Islamofascist believes that Muslims and the Muslim people are superior in all ways to all other people on the face of the earth. They believe in the subjugation of those who do not practice Islam. Think about that. They believe in the subjugation of other human beings who do not think like they do. Interesting to note, back in the 1930s, 1940s, there was a group in Germany, that thought that they were the master race headed by Adolf Hitler. Ironically, in World War II, you had Germany, Italy, and Japan comprise the Axis powers, but history fails to mention that you had the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, the Muslim Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who was the titular head of, of the Muslims in the Middle East at the time, aligning himself with Adolf Hitler as well. There were battalions of Muslim soldiers that fought for the German cause, but when Hitler died and the Allied forces became victorious, they just faded back into the Middle East. To this day, there is no declaration of surrender from the forces that slaughtered under the Grand Mufti. But I digress. To the Islamo-fascists and, and this is a subject that we will cover down the line because it needs to be covered in in a much more dramatic way. Women in Islam are worth half that of a man. A perfect example is the Sharia law that relates to rape. In the Islamofascist culture if a woman is raped and she goes to the authorities because she was raped she must produce four male witnesses to that rape. If she does not if she produces three, or two, or even one. Islamic law mandates that if she's married, she's an adulteress, and if she's not, she's an unclean woman, a dishonored woman. The penalty for this in the most strictest of Islamofascist cultures is death. And in some places, it's still death by stoning, stoning. In a stoning, they dig a pit, and they bury the person up to their shoulders so that their arms are buried into the earth so that they can't move. And people, men, and boys from the village come out with palm-sized rocks and throw them at the head of the victim until the victim is dead or until the victim can crawl out of the hole. That never happens. In the Islamofascist culture, Infidels, people who do not believe in Islam, have three things that they can do in order to survive in the world. And this is under the concept of a caliphate, which is a global control of the world under Islam and Sharia law. They can convert. They can pay what is called the jizya, which is pretty much a tax to live. And depending on on which local authority wants to level, the jizya can be anything from everything that you make to half to 10% to a dollar but you will pay a tax. And the third option is death. Those are the only three ways that people can exist under an Islamic caliphate that covers the world under Sharia law. Now when we talk about the conquest of the world where Islamofascism comes into play most people think of the violent advancement of Islamofascism. Well there's another way as well and it's called procreation. The birth rate in the West is incredibly low compared to the birth rate in the Islamic world. The exact figures escape me, but it's something like 1.3 children per family in the West, as opposed to 4 point something per family in the Muslim world. If you do the math, within a couple generations, the world will be consumed by people who believe in the Islamic faith, and Sharia law. And because the common idea is that 10%, some people say 20%, of the Islamic world believes in Islamofascism, that does not bow well for freedom and liberty around the world. In fact, let's use the United States as a petri dish here. Using those birth rates within two generations will be one generation away from islamofascists running people for office under our system getting elected because of the number of Muslims that will be voting for them getting into office and effectively changing the rules under our own system of government to extinguish things like free speech, freedom of religion all of the rights that we have under the Bill of Rights. People may call me an Islamophobe but these numbers don't lie And when you look at the people who actually dominate in politics in the Middle East, you would have to be necessarily ignorant to believe that the same type of thought process wouldn't take power here in the United States, especially with its intense natural resource wealth and industry. So how do we win? How do we make sure that liberty and freedom aren't extinguished within three generations? How do we make sure that freedom and liberty survive and that Muslims within their own society are free to effect the Reformation so that peaceful Islam can reign supreme over Islamofascism and violent jihad? Well, we have to win the war of ideas. Now, Dr. Ferris wrote a book called The War of Ideas, and I highly suggest everybody read that book. It's about capturing the next generation, the hearts and minds of the next generation of those who may fall prey to Islamofascism. We must capture the hearts and minds of the next generation. The only way to do that is to seed questions within their minds. We as infidels, we as people who aren't inside the Islamic faith, we don't have the weight to go into the Islamic community and say, you need to question yourselves. We don't have that weight. It needs to come from within, inside the Muslim community itself. That's why seeding the question in the next generation of, how is this humanitarian? How is this serving a higher power? How is this offering up to a higher power? The only way to seed that Question To seed those questions in the next generation is to get information to them. Propaganda is used as a bad word. It doesn't need to be. We need to launch the most potent propaganda and information educational campaign that the world has ever seen, targeting the next generation of youth in the Islamic world so as to seed their ability to manifest that question they will be the ones that bring about the reformation inside the Islamic culture they will be the leaders of the future that expunge terrorism from the global lexicon they will be the ones to lead the religion of Islam out of the darkness and into the light into a peaceful coexistence with the rest of the world and then things like Manhattan they won't happen anymore But that's the key. And we have to realize it, and we have to accept it, and we have to stop making excuses for people who would like to come here to kill innocent people. Progressives do that all the time, trying to say that it's our fault for existing someplace, our fault for advancing technology. A million different excuses. And they hold the banner that Islam is a religion of peace. It is not and it is in dire need of a reformation. Let's hope that more intelligent people prevail in this conflict and that the war of ideas is the biggest offensive that we have in this conflict. More so than anything military, more so than anything economically, more so than any other thing. Through knowledge, through information, through providing that information, we can reach that next generation and start the process of seeding that question so that they can lead their people out of the darkness. You've been listening to The Underground.